While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance of the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his, up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Hallelujah, Lord. Today we celebrate with all your church. You are alive. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kate. Uh, hey, everybody, and uh, welcome on this Resurrection Sunday. Uh, this is the one Sunday year where I wear a tie. And uh, all of you who are worshiping at home, I can imagine you in your pajamas eating a chocolate-covered marshmallow bunny. <laughs> Happy Easter to you. Uh, and uh, do you know the ancient Easter greeting? One person says, Christ is risen. Others respond, he is risen indeed. Let's try it, all right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And if you are a doubter, about Jesus and his resurrection today, I'm so glad you came. Uh, because many of us have gone through those same questions and doubts that you uh, are experiencing. But we have discovered in him a truth that stands the test of time. We have discovered in him a strength that stands up in our suffering. We have discovered in him a love that will not let us go. And I believe that if you remain open and curious, you will discover him too. Let's pray. Risen Jesus, we need to meet. We need you to meet us here today. We are confused people. We are broken people. We are sinful people. We have deep needs that only you can meet. Lord, please open our minds to understand your word. Soften our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Touch us with your presence. Change us forever. Amen. I've I'm, I'm been reading a book called Cold Case Christianity, written by an L.A. homicide detective. He says, my friends knew me as an angry atheist, a skeptic, who thoughtfully dissected Christians and the Christian worldview. Yet, 
after accepting an invitation to a, a, friend's, a friend's invitation to his church, he says, I suddenly found myself reading the Gospels to hear what Jesus had to say. J. Warner Wallace had interviewed hundreds, if not thousands, of eyewitnesses in his career. And as he read the Bible, he realized the Gospels actually appeared to be ancient eyewitness accounts. He was also struck by a quote from C.S. Lewis that says, if Christianity is a statement which is false, it is of no importance. If it is true, it is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. Spurred on by that idea, he kept investigating. And his book outlines principles he used as a cold case detective and how they applied to his evaluation of the testimony about Jesus, especially the resurrection. Uh, if you want to read it, it's called Cold Case Christianity. The author is J. Warner Wallace. And it also has lots of good detective stories. Now, today's message is Fix Our Eyes on Jesus risen and reigning and to help us fix our eyes in him we are projecting an image of the risen Jesus over the cross and so my hope is that from now on when you see the cross you'll also be able to picture in your mind the resurrected Jesus with his arms wide open and he's reaching out and welcoming you and even when we come here to praise the Lord together I hope that you'll even when this image isn't there that you'll you'll imagine that Jesus in your, mind, in your mind's eye and by faith, think that Jesus is here with us. The phrase, fix our eyes on Jesus, comes from the book of Hebrews. So I want to put this uh, verse on the screen, uh, and let's, let's say it together, shall we? Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus now possesses the seat of honor in the royal court of heaven. He reigns as this world's rightful ruler, and he is on a mission to reclaim this world for God's kingdom. One reason some of you may have a hard time believing in Jesus and his resurrection is because you've, maybe you've been hurt by Christians in the past. And, and uh, on behalf of all the people of Jesus, I just want to tell you I'm, I'm so sorry. I know this kind of thing happens. I've, people have shared a lot of terrible stories with me about what's been done and said to them or done to them by Christians or at a church. And it hurts to hear this. And, and I want you to know I'm not making any excuses for it, but I, I just want to say that we are all flawed followers, every one of us. And some of you would say that you don't believe in organized religion. And I think, well, you may be giving us too much credit. We're not that organized. <laughs> we're, we're just ordinary people following Jesus with a limp. So don't focus on us. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Uh, about 10 years ago or so, several of us from Faith Westwood went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. And uh, there we met an older couple, uh, Horacio and Esther, 
who ran a mission for about 40 kids and, and single moms in the slums of San Jose. And uh, we watched Horacio and Esther as they loved the children and sang songs with them and celebrated their birthdays and helped them with their schooling and taught them Bible stories. Horacio and Esther delivered food to their families who lived in sheet metal shacks and, and cared for those who were sick and brought joy to their lives. We saw so much of Jesus in Horacio and Esther. They, they were like a healing balm to the neighborhood. And one reason I believe in Jesus is because people who are most like him are what the world needs most. People who are most like him are what the world needs most. I came to believe in Jesus in a, in a big and kind of powerful way when I was 16 and because I had seen what he had done in the lives of other young people. And I knew I needed that in my life. So I invited Jesus to make his home in me, and I gave him permission to run my life any way you want. Here it is. It's yours. And something big began to change. For a moment, I, I even felt the, a presence inside me that's, that's hard to describe. But now I've come to realize was the Holy Spirit. And now, 50 years later, I'm still that same teenage kid telling people about Jesus and what he's done for me and what he's still doing for me. Here, for example, here's a recent thing. Monday morning, I woke up early. I don't like to wake up. That's my day off. I don't like to wake up that early. But anyway, so I sat up in bed and I started praying. And right away, my mind started just being racing with, with things about this ministry project I'd been kind of mulling over. And suddenly, the things that I needed to do just became clear and began pouring into my mind. And so I got up and I, and I opened my laptop and I recorded these ideas, but I couldn't stop. I ended up creating a full proposal. I, I didn't know what the urgency was, but I felt it. Only later did I learn that the group I was preparing this for was planning to meet the next day. And I told Trish, I wonder if God, if God was, this was all God's timing all along. Now, could it be coincidence? Sure. Sometimes it is. But stuff like this, I think, happens way too often to explain it all as coincidence. I believe that Jesus is on the throne directing his redeeming work in this world. When, whether you know it or not, he is already working in your life. If you have trouble believing in Jesus' resurrection, uh, at least you're in good company. Even his closest friends had a hard time believing at first. Please grab a Bible. There should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Those at home, I hope you can find a Bible and follow along. Let's open up to Luke 24. Now, right before this passage, the disciples are listening to a couple of their friends tell about an encounter they just had with the resurrected Jesus. Suddenly, in verse 36, Jesus is standing there with them. And how do the disciples react? Do they, do they scold him? They say, Jesus, you've been out of the tomb all day, and you just now show up to us? Don't you know we've been waiting all day? 
No, they are so shocked, they are speechless. Let's begin at verse 37. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Skeptics uh, say that the disciples must have been so eager to believe in Jesus' resurrection that in their grief and hysteria, they, they must have imagined Jesus' appearance. But the Gospels tell a different story. Jesus had to work hard to convince them that he was physically alive because they could not believe their eyes. Verses 38 through 40, he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and blood, bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus shows them his crucifixion wounds and lets them touch his flesh and bone body. They're still at a loss for words, so he tries again. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, "Uh, do you have anything to eat here? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Okay, he consumes food. Guess that rules out the ghost theory. (laughs) Some people say, well, if Jesus was raised from the dead, good for him. What's that got to do with me? And I say, it's got everything to do with you. Because the risen Jesus reigns on the throne. He's this world's rightful ruler. And through the victory of his death and resurrection, he has cast down the rebel prince of darkness. Now he's on a mission to reclaim this world for his kingdom of light. You know, that's been God's plan all along. Listen to verses 44 and 40 to 46. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Listen to this Easter good news. Here's the main thing I want to say to you today. God stays with us and works through suffering to do his saving. That's the heart of this Easter message this morning. Let's say it together, shall we? God stays with us and works through suffering to do his saving. And that's what we see when we fix our eyes on Jesus. God staying with us in our suffering to do his saving work. Now, sometimes I read this kind of passage and I I wonder what kind of Old Testament scriptures might Jesus have explained to them that were about him. Well, there could be a number of them. But today I want to share two possibilities. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. All right? Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, both of them written hundreds of years before Jesus. Sometimes in our suffering, we may feel that God has abandoned us. Have you ever felt that way? It's easy. It happens. Uh, It even happened to Jesus when he was first nailed to the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Now that is also the first line of Psalm 22. And the rest of the psalm is amazingly prophetic about Jesus. Listen to the accusing voices in verses 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. That's just what the religious leaders said when Jesus was on the cross. Listen to verses 16 and 18. Uh, Dogs, probably meaning Gentiles, surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. That's just what the Romans did at Jesus' crucifixion. But God did not abandon him. God stayed with him in his suffering. He says he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face, but has listened to his cry for help. That's Psalm 22. And Jesus almost certainly would have uh, told his disciples about Isaiah 53. And God's sin-carrying servant says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It tells of his innocent death. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And then it speaks of his resurrection. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. So this is, this is the pattern that we see in redemption in the Bible. God stays with us and works through suffering to do his saving. And through Jesus, God has taken your suffering upon himself. He has taken your sin upon himself because he wants to save you, to rescue you, to give you a new start in life as a child of God. You know, like all of us, uh, I'm sure that you've tried all kinds of things, right? And, and, and so many, they, they turn out to be dead ends. You, you thought you were smart enough to figure out this life and the best way to live and how to do everything, but maybe you're starting to realize that you're not. I, I've, I've had to learn that. You tried immersing yourself in video games and social media and parties, and, and while it has brought some rewarding moments, in the end, it leaves you empty. You've tried numbing yourself with alcohol and drugs or escaping into pornography or a fantasy world, but rather than satisfy, it just creates more cravings. You've tried improving yourself by by working hard on your career or getting academic degrees or raising your kids or playing a sport or taking up a hobby. All of that's good, but it will not be enough when life comes crashing down. Many of us have found that through Jesus, God stays with us in our suffering and does his saving work. He does not leave us alone. He alone can satisfy our longings 
and he bears us up when life comes crashing down. Jesus died to take your sin and death. He rose from the grave to give you a new start in life. So today, I invite you to look to the cross and fix your eyes on Jesus. Ask him to forgive all your sins. Ask him to give you a new start in life as a child of God. Ask him to make his home in you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. And he will stay with you. He will stay with you forever. My friends, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. I invite you to pray with me this prayer on the screen. Dear God, thank you for staying with me in times of suffering. Lord Jesus, today I fix my eyes on you. Please forgive me of all I've done wrong. I give you my life to run the way you want. And I invite you to make your home in me by filling me with the Holy Spirit. Amen.